Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Indeed, today is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. We're rejoicing. We are glad in it. Today is the day of every other day that you're going to live and that I'm going to live. Today is this day that God has given us to be ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven, to be people who are shiny on behalf of uh, the truth of the gospel, lights in an ever seemingly growing darkness, although, you know, darkness is just dark. It's not like darkness can be darker, but some days it feels like darkness is darker, and I get that. Uh, And so, actually, we had one member of Congress describe what's going on in terms of the uh, ongoing impeachment inquiry. Uh, Georgia Representative Doug Collins actually said yesterday, a dark cloud has fallen upon the people's house. Not a cloud of something that we have not known about, uh, something that Democrats have talked about uh, for well over two years, almost three years. Um, and so it's interesting, isn't it, that what some are experiencing as darkness in terms of a process that is um, obviously completely partisan, if you look at the vote in the House yesterday, you're going to see something not only completely along party lines, but two Democrats voting with the Republicans because, you know, they fear the loss of their seats. And that makes it about as partisan as it gets. And so when you have something that is intensely partisan and it is about the potential removal of the president of the United States from office, I would argue um, second only to Congress's ability to send our young men and women to war. This is the the greatest, most significant power that Congress holds. Is, uh, is the power of either acknowledging the people's vote, whether they like it or not, um, and acknowledging the freedom of that individual to operate in the office, or, or um, something else. And I will acknowledge that there are lots of questions surrounding, lots of legitimate questions surrounding the conversation about uh, international aid from the United States given to Ukraine and and the uh, conditions under which those gifts were given. I will also recognize that uh, the United States of America does not give unconditional gifts. We're not we're not unconditionally loving. We're not unconditionally generous. Um, we we give aid with lots of strings attached all around the world. And one of the uh, most in, maybe most significant strings is that uh, U.S. taxpayer money won't be used in in ways that are corrupt. And so. Um, Anyway, there's going to be a lot more to be said about impeachment. It's important to recognize that today is a very different day in the impeachment story than it was yesterday because we are now on uh, you know, this side of the House vote. So let's just be aware of that as we move forward and um, that a great deal of the media coverage to this point relied on anonymous sources and leaked material. And now there will be um, you know, potentially more information 
that is broader in scope. That's that's at least what I'm anticipating. Okay. Um, one other uh, news item here before I bring on Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs. You've heard a lot about these uh, California wildfires. Um, I particularly appreciated this story um, posted. It's posted actually all over the place now. I'm going to read it from CNN's website because it's pretty comprehensive. Fire crews, airdrops, and a herd of goats help save the Reagan Presidential Library from wildfire. And so uh, this is uh, they they released a herd of ravenous goats um, on the hills surrounding the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library um, after a fresh wildfire erupted on Wednesday near Simi Valley in Southern California, which is where the um, library is located. And so in addition to human firefighters and aircraft crews that responded on Wednesday to drop, um, you know, this retardant in the area, um, as many as 500 goats helped create a fire break. Now, the goats were actually there months ago, months ago. Goats were there months ago um, and ate up the vegetation that would have become the fuel for the fire this week um, had the goats not done such a good job nibbling away at the underbrush. So why bring this up today? Well, several things going on here. In the top of the hour, part of the news was the evacuation of animals from this region and large animal evacuations you know, are taking place and, and they're being welcomed at the fairgrounds and, and small animal evacuations are taking place and they're being welcomed at a, um, you know, at a dog and cat shelter, basically. Um, and it, re- it reminds me, it's, it's important for us to remember, animals are not people. This is actually a moment of distinction in terms of our kind. And we are created differently than the animals. And we are created with a responsibility for the animals. There's a reason there was a Noah in the story of the ark. Uh, And there will be uh, stories of firefighters and other brave people who will evacuate animals from the Cal fires. I want us to put this, file this away somewhere in our minds when someone is arguing for the personhood of an animal in a court of law here in the United States of America. I want us to remember the animals need us uh, to intervene in ways that provide for their safety and their shelter and their well-being. It's not something they can do for themselves. Um, Even as for humanity, uh, a savior has to come from the outside. For the animal kingdom, uh, you and I have to be responsible stewards of them and, and provide for their welfare. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Todd Nettleton will be here. He is... Um, the voice of the voice of the martyrs. You hear him on Voice of the Martyrs Radio right here on the Faith Radio Network. He and I are going to talk about this Sunday, which is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. We'll be right back. For me. Welcome back. Thrilled to be joined again today by Todd Nettleton, host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can hear that here on the Faith Radio Network, Saturday mornings and Sunday evenings. Todd, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Well, it's wonderful to have you. Now, there is a specific reason that we are talking with you this week. What is happening on Sunday, November the 3rd? The International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. So literally thousands of churches uh, across the United States and around the world 
uh, are going to spend some time this Sunday praying specifically for our persecuted brothers and sisters in more than 70 countries where they are persecuted for their faith. Uh, so this is a very significant day. It's significant for the American church, uh, but also significant for our brothers and sisters because they know this is a day they are being prayed for. Uh, they are being remembered as a part of the body of Christ. And I, I am very mindful of our calling as brothers and sisters in Christ to be, you know, praying every time I am reading a news headline or hearing um, about the persecution of our brothers and sisters around the world. And so, you know, what, we want to encourage Christians to be praying in season and out of season for other Christians around the globe and the, and the way the gospel advances even through um, the blood of martyrs. But we want to be praying in ways that are consistent with the way that people in these regions be praying. So how do you, what do you hear from Christians around the world in terms of how they want us to be praying for them uh, this coming Sunday and every day? Well, one of the convicting things to me personally is the answer to that question. How do they want us to pray? Because uh, if, if I was in that situation, if I was in prison, I think my first prayer request would be, hey, pray that I'll get out of prison. Uh, but their prayer request is a little different. It is pray that we'll be faithful to Christ in spite of the persecution. It is not pray that we won't be persecuted or pray that our suffering will end. Uh, it is pray that we will be faithful. That's their number one request. And like I say, for me, that's convicting. I suspect for a lot of our listeners, that's a little convicting as well. Pray that we will be faithful. So there are lots of online resources uh, related to the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. You can find them at uh, Voice of the Martyrs website, which is persecution.com, persecution.com. You can also find them at Open Doors USA um, and then the International Day of Prayer.com. Um, Todd, let's talk, uh, let's talk about our brothers and sisters around the globe. Um, one of the stories that's posted in relationship to the International Day of, of Prayer for the Persecuted Church this year is a story out of North Korea. Maybe you want to tell us that story, but maybe you want to tell us another one. I know there are many, many stories you could tell. Well, this is a great story, and it's actually the focus. Every, every year, The Voice of the Martyrs does a, a short video. This year, it's seven minutes long for people to show in their churches or show in their Sunday school classes uh, to kind of put us in touch with who we're praying for. These are the persecuted Christians that we're praying for. The video this year focuses on the nation of North Korea and focuses in particular on the story of a martyred pastor named Pastor Han. Now, Pastor Han was a ethnic Korean, uh, but he was a Chinese citizen. So, and he was actually the pastor of a registered three-self church in China right along that North Korea border. And as he saw North Korean refugees coming across the river into China, seeking food, uh, seeking shelter, seeking a better life, uh, he began to reach out to them and, and help with food and help with shelter, but also tell them about Jesus Christ, present the gospel to them. Over the course of his ministry, more than a thousand North Koreans were impacted by that ministry and discipled. Uh, some of them even went back to North Korea to share their faith. But in 2016, Pastor Han was martyred. He was killed by North Korean agents who came across the border into China and murdered him, then went back into North Korea where they were celebrated as heroes of the fatherland because they had taken out this so-called terrorist against the North Korean regime. That's the story that we're telling. 
Pastor Han was an amazing man, and I actually had a conversation with the head of our VOM Korea office uh, on Voice of the Martyrs Radio just last weekend. Uh, he knew Pastor Han, he worked with him, and he talked about what a humble, gentle servant of the Lord that he was. But he also said just about two months before he was killed, Pastor Han was in Seoul, and, and he was visiting with them. They knew there were threats. They knew there was danger. Uh, he, he was expecting to get kidnapped and taken back into North Korea. And they said, Pastor Han, you know, is it time for you to back off? Is it time for you to, to come to Seoul and be safe, to bring your family out of danger? Uh, Pastor Han's attitude was, listen, I'm the shepherd, and my sheep are right along the North Korean border, so I, I can't shepherd them from Seoul. I need to go back. He got on the plane. He went back to China. Two months later, he was killed by North Korean agents, uh, literally uh, a shepherd laying down his life for the sheep that he served there. So one of the things I appreciate about the resources that we can download at persecution.com, and let me just encourage you, um, if you have not yet made your preparations for the International Day of Prayer for persecuted Christians around the world, um, you still have time to do so. You can just go to persecution.com. You can actually download all of the digital resources, and you can use them this coming Sunday. And actually, every week, we're just inviting you to uh, join us in this prayer emphasis on this particular Sunday, November the 3rd. We're going to be praying for Christians who are imprisoned. We're also going to be praying for the protection of pastors and evangelists serving in these regions. We're going to be praying for provision and encouragement of Christians whose family members um, have been killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to be praying for government officials in these places that, um, that they would be awakened to the reality of who Christ is, or at least to the place where they would recognize that people are free to believe and free to worship um, and free to convert. Like all of these are issues in places where Christians are persecuted around the world. Um, let us be praying specifically for those who are converts to the Christian faith in places where that is illegal. And then we're also praying for ministries like like this one and like Voice of the Martyrs, where, you know, the, the good news of the gospel is broadcast, that there might be uh, ways in which the ministry of Christ reaches into places through media that have otherwise been uh, closed off from the good news of the message of the gospel. I mean, on and on, all kinds of ways that we are invited into prayer on this coming uh, Sunday, even a, a list of 10 ways to pray um, on behalf of persecuted Christians around the globe. So uh, when we come back, uh, Todd Nettleton and I are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to um, talk specifically about what's going on in China. Um, and it's heartbreaking, but Todd has an update for us on the status of Christians there. We'll be right back. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now. Okay, returning to our conversation with Todd Nettleton. Uh, he is the host of Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can hear... Uh, that program here on Faith Radio on Saturday mornings and on Sunday evenings. You can find it at persecution.com as well as all of the resources we're going to talk about today. Um, Todd, tell us what is happening uh, in China with our with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, what we're seeing in China, and I've heard this from Chinese believers, is the worst persecution in China since the Cultural Revolution. Uh, so there is a widespread crackdown against the church in China. 
It is happening in all parts of the country. It is controlled and directed from the national government level in Beijing, uh, and it is resulting in uh, church buildings being demolished. Even registered legal churches are having their buildings demolished. It's resulting in uh, unregistered churches, what we used to call house churches, uh, being closed down by the government. Uh, it is resulting in pastors being imprisoned. There's a pastor named Wang Yi who was arrested last December. He is still in prison. Uh, we are awaiting a trial, but uh, there's not much hope for the trial because the government said to the attorneys that Wang Yi had asked to represent him, hey, we're not going to allow you to represent him. We'll go ahead and appoint his attorneys for him. Well, we know what that means. Uh, he will have attorneys that are more interested in the government's agenda than in their client. Uh, but that's the reality. This is a result of new religious regulations that went into effect early last year. We have seen them over the last 24 months being start to be implemented. And like I say, it is all over China. It's not, hey, one province is really bad and this province over here is okay. It is all over China. Okay, when we talk about persecution driven at a national level like this, um, we, we really are talking about the attempt of a government um, nationwide to eliminate any view but its own. I mean, this goes way beyond, um, you know, whatever ribbing I might take in my community for being a Baptist. Uh, this is this is serious persecution. And I think that uh, helping us understand it's not just happening to Christians. Um, any person of faith is a minority faith in China. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the the world is amazingly silent as more than a million Uyghur Muslims are being put in concentration camps in Western China. Uh, like you say, every religion is a minority. And the issue is control. The, the Chinese government wants to control the hearts and minds of the people. Well, if your heart is committed to Jesus Christ, then it by nature, the Chinese Communist Party is not first place in your heart. So that's a problem. Uh, and some of the, the issues of control, uh, the government is coming into churches and saying, hey, we know you used to sing hymns when you started out your services, but what we'd like you to do now is sing the national anthem and sing some Communist Party songs instead of hymns. We know you used to have a picture of Jesus up by the platform of your church. What we'd like you to do now is take down the picture of Jesus and put a picture of President Xi Jinping up at the front of your church. Uh, we know you're used to meeting like you used to meet. What we'd like you to do now is put a surveillance camera on the platform of your church facing the audience so that we can monitor who's in your services and how involved they are. That's the level of control that Chinese Christians are facing. Uh, and obviously, the Christians are coming back and saying, hey, we love our country. We pray for our leaders, but our first loyalty is Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church, not the Communist Party. You know, another part of that, Todd, um, that we have heard about is this restriction against any sort of Christian education of children, um, that they're not allowed to educate their children in the faith. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, if the Chinese government is effective in keeping this generation of Christians from transmitting the faith to a new generation of Christians, I mean, that is, um, that's scary. That's scary. It is very scary. And it's not just we want to shut the children off from learning about the faith. They are actually trying to turn the children into spies against their own parents. Teachers are being taught, even as young as second graders are being asked, hey, 
Tell us about what your parents do at your house. Do, do they have a special book that they read from? Do they gather with other people and pray? Oh, they do? When do they do that? Where do they meet together? How many people are at those meetings? Literally, they are turning children into spies against their own parents. And you think about that as a parent. Okay, if my child, my second grader is going to be asked about my faith, how do I coach them? How do I prepare them to answer those questions as a second grader? Uh, that's, again, the, the issue is control. That's the level of control that Chinese Christians are facing. Well, and and I'm not going to teach my child to lie, like, right? I mean, this is, this exactly. is a part of this that's so hard. <laughs> Like, right? I mean, I'm not going to teach my child to lie because that's contrary to, uh, you know, the that's contrary to who I want them to be as a truth-filled, truthful person. And so, um, I mean, I can, I can feel the angst, right? I mean, I can actually, like, physically feel the angst that, uh, that a Christian mom or dad might have in China just related to this one particular point, let alone the fear of, you know, uh, the government coming to demolish your church while you're in it, um, which is a story that we just read last week. So Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com, Voice of the Martyrs Radio. That's where we're going to invite people to engage with you in an ongoing way. Thank you so much for what you do every day and for joining us today on Mornings with Carbon. Well, thank you for having me. It's always fun. Absolutely. All right. We want to remind you of the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. You can get all the information you need uh, downloadable at persecution.com. We'll be right back. I sometimes argue that we are in desperate need of a new reformation. And when I think back to I mean, I realized that it was October 31st, 1517, not November the 1st, but, you know, I kind of have to get over Halloween before I can start thinking about uh, what Martin Luther did um, in 1517 on Halloween, on All Saints Day, um, that really did uh, sort of light the match of what we know as the Protestant Reformation. And the Reformation had impacts not only in the church, but throughout the culture, and it reverberates certainly unto today. Uh, And I would argue that there are some similarities today to the the world in which Martin Luther lived. And there is a desire within many, many Christians to see the Word of God restored to its rightful place in the life of the church uh, and the church restored to her rightful place in the life of the culture and a genuine uh, reformation of, of heart and mind and spirit that would proceed from the Christian life into the world that God so loves in a way that every part of culture would be transformed. Now, I know that that is um, desperately hopeful, but that's who I am as a Christian. So up next, uh, Dan Van uh, Vruheis will be here from the 1517 Project, cleverly named after the event that took place in that year. We'll be right back. When I was young, I was mesmerized by magic shows. One of my favorite tricks was when the magician took one scarf and put it up his sleeve. Before you know it, he'd pull out a long string of brightly colored scarves. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. As I figured out years later, it wasn't magic. It was simply an illusion to make you believe scarves can multiply right before your eyes. You may be feeling like you have a single scarf that you'd like to magically multiply into many. It's tough to feel content when you want more. 
but I'll share a secret with you. There's a way in real life to feel content. Ask God to help you understand your enough, no matter what it is, and practice gratitude. Focusing on all you've been given takes your mind off what you don't have and helps you recognize the many ways God has blessed you. You know, it's not magic. It's about being grateful for what God has provided. Well, my attempt to actually make his name sound foreign was completely wrong. Uh, Dan Van Voris is here from the 1517 Project. Welcome, sir. It's great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Am I not the first? I'm hoping I'm not the first who who tried to make your name sound European. Oh, yeah. No, my name is uh, my parents cursed me with it. It's uh, it's oh, it, it it's it looks weird. It's too many letters. It's very Dutch. It's all the V's in an entire <laughs> Scrabble set. Yes. And then an H thrown in there where it doesn't belong. I you did your good. best. But <laughs> it's all good. Thank you. Thank you for your grace this morning, which is really uh, uh, what we're talking about. Remind mm-hmm. us what happened in 1517. Sure. So 502 years ago, a, a German monk decided that he wanted to, to start a conversation about authority in the church and how we're made right with God. And while this conversation is always being had, the church was in kind of a dark time. And so when Martin Luther, this monk, uh, suggested a conversation about these things, it, it kicked off not only the, the biggest event in the modern church, but probably the biggest event in modern history uh, when, when the Protestant Reformation began from, from that point. And I, I suspect that there are at least some people who have not um, spent a lot of time thinking about the impacts of the Reformation outside of the church. And, sure. you know, I think that, you know, we, there are those who would say, um, oh, yes, well, it's, you know, it's when Protestantism is born. It's when, you know, people decided that not everybody would be Roman Catholic. Um, but it's a whole lot more than that when we start talking about the impacts and effects of the Reformation in the culture uh, writ large. So tell us about some of those impact, impacts and influences. Yeah, absolutely. It, it changed everything. And so we talk about not only this watershed mark for uh, the church, but for Western society. And so the basic question that, that Luther was struggling with had to do with who's in charge and who's the authority? And once we work through these issues, how do we how do we live this new faith? How do we live our faith out? And this is going to change. It's going to change family and society. It's going to change uh, economics. People no longer think the church is uh, the only thing in terms of um, what God wants us to do. God wants us, obviously, in church. God wants us. Uh, to hear his message. But then he has called us, and it's an important point for Luther, to our vocations, to our various jobs. And so as people are set free to go kind of live for God out in the world, everything is transformed. So it's not just a a theological debate uh, or discussion over denominations. It really is a a game changer for for everything. And it has to do with that, that idea of now that I know God isn't angry with me. What what can I do? What should I do? And the the Protestant reformers answer was go do your job and do it well. Go love your family. And and that 
that has gigantic effects. So I'm talking with Dan Van Voorhis from the 1517 Project. You can find it at 1517.org. Those are numbers, not words, 1517.org. Um, Dan, when we when you say that, and then I think about the challenges that we face as a culture today, you talk about authority, you talk about who's in charge, you talk about the place of the church and the culture, you talk about... Um, uh, I'm going to live my faith in every aspect of life. I'm going to go live my faith. I'm going to go be a Christian uh, in my place of work. Um, Man, you are talking about contemporary American concerns. Absolutely. And and these these concerns about who's in charge and how am I made right with God— uh, it's it, this isn't just a a Sunday morning issue. This is something that that plagued the reformers. It plagued Martin Luther such that he couldn't do anything because he was so uh, concerned with this question. And once he found the grace of God, once he understood that that changes everything, that the authority of the Bible alone and Christ alone is the answer to those major questions, it sets us free. And it sets us free in a way that we can go out into our workplace and 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 love God by loving our neighbor and doing a good job. It it is it, it is an existentially freeing, and we find that with Luther. And I think we should find that in in the modern day that we are uh, as as Jesus tells us we are free indeed, and and that makes it uh, makes everything look different. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read a quote that was posted on Twitter and attributed to you in August. Okay. Doesn't that sound Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> Sounds fun. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this is attributed to uh, to you. A person, not a nation, can be a Christian because only a person can be saved by grace through faith in the work of Christ. Yes. Yes. That was an article that I wrote. Uh, I write articles and, and do podcasts at 1517.org. And it was a question about, is is America a Christian nation? It's, it's one of the, the questions as a historian that I'm asked the most. And it's a it's a great conversation. But I, 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 that quote there is to say, listen, before we start thinking about nations as Christian, we need to think about ourselves. <laughs> we need to worry about the individual. Now, we can be an indiv- we can be a nation filled with individual Christians. But Christian means, uh, you know, a follower of Christ, and and technically, nation states, just like organizations or corporations, they can't do that, and and so we don't put our trust in a nation state. We don't put our trust in a, a church body. Uh, we worry about ourselves and our status uh, with God through Christ, and that's that's really that's coming right out of the Reformation. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the comment there. So many good um, threads to pull here. When we come back from the break, Dan, I would love to um, back up and and almost start over because the word that you used to describe what Martin Luther was trying to do was the word conversation. He was trying to get a conversation mm-hmm. going. He was trying to get a conversation yeah. started. Um, you have uh, you've just alluded to the the concept of a great conversation. That could be had today, um, you know, about individual Christians versus something like a Christian nation, or even I would argue, um, a Christian church. Like, right? There mm-hmm. are opportunities yeah. for conversation there when we use the words. I want to talk with you about that conversation—a conversation about 
having conversations because I think that's a huge stumbling block today for lots of, uh, of Christ followers. So Dan Van Voris is going to continue with me here in conversation from the 1517 Project. You can find what he is up to at 1517.org. We'll be right back. Indeed, we are talking this morning about what happened in 1517 and is still happening today, which is the ongoing reformation of God in the life of the Church of Jesus Christ, but in the world as Christ followers walk that faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. And so uh, I'm talking with Dan uh, Van Voris from Project, the 1517 Project. You can find it at 1517.org. And we're going to have a conversation about good conversation. So, Dan, if I just tee that ball up, where would you like to take a conversation about having good conversations? Well, you know, taking uh, Martin Luther and and the Reformation kind of as a starting point, the, the reason the Reformation was so successful is because Luther and, and the, the Reformers were asking the most important questions. And so there have been all sorts of conversations that have happened in the church that have made differences but the most important changes happen when we ask the most basic questions. And so as, as we talk about the past or when I'm talking right now uh, with someone, I want to get down to the real, the big issue. For Luther, that was who's in charge and how am I made right with God? And I think those are the conversations, those are the questions that we can ask today in any setting and really get to uh, get beyond just fluff. All right. So what are those two questions again? So the question would be, yeah, it would be uh, who's in, uh, who's in charge mm-hmm. and how am I made right with God? Mm. Who's in charge can go. It can be. Is it my philosophy? Is it my church? Is it the Bible? And that was the answer that the reformers gave. Sola Scriptura. The Bible alone is my authority. And how am I made right with God? Well, not by my political works, not because I'm in the right church uh, or not because I've done the right things, but because I'm in Christ. And they would say solus Christus. And so who's in charge and how am I made right with God? Every conversation flows from those two questions. That's what started the Reformation, and it's what keeps us going today as well. My husband likes to say, uh, you know, that we are we're desperately in need of a restoration of the Word of God to its rightful place in the life of the believer. Absolutely. And, and, that, and that's, I, have a little, yeah. I have a little six-year-old granddaughter who um, she was listening to a song. It's a counting song, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, they're counting animals and they're using the ark as an example. And so mm-hmm. they go on two, uh, two by two, and then they go on three by three and four by four. Mm-hmm. And she stops the song and she says, that is not what the Bible says. <laughs> and her mom and her mom says, "Well, yes, but it's a counting song, Evelyn." And she says, "You know, this is Evelyn talking. She says, "You know, people seem to like the Bible. They just don't seem to know what's in it." <laughs> so that I is, do think I mean, that yeah. right when we think about the conversations that we as Christians can have, um the way in which people kind of like the Bible or they kind of like the idea of Jesus, but they really honestly don't know what's in it. Talk about Luther's passion to get actual people into the actual Word of God, that it might actually get into them and change everything. This this is the animating doctrine of the Reformation, 
and it should be of our churches today. And that is that the word of God has power and it has an inherent power such that when it's read, when it's heard, it changes things. So the first thing Luther said was we need the Bible in the modern, in the vernacular, in the modern language, because people need to be able to read it and hear it in ways they can understand. Now, today in America, we don't have that problem in terms of having a Bible in our own language. We've got so many Bibles, but that same passion that Luther had for getting in front of people, we need to have for actually reading and actually having a going deep into it and, and finding Jesus you know, from, from, from Genesis to Revelation and finding his work on our behalf. And, and that's, that's what, that's the key. I think, um, it's, it's that passion for getting the word of God and then living in the word of God because it's powerful, because the gospel has power. And, and that's, that's what I would say. That's what we need today. We need to be infused with this, this book that we have that we're blessed with to have everywhere we look on our phones. Uh, it's everywhere in our language. Now we need to, to get into it and, 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 and live it and find Jesus in it and have that be our authority, uh, not modern philosophy or, or what have you. So I think that one of the things I want to do is make this really easy for everybody. And so I'm going to make a confession. I, okay. I have been guilty of assuming that people know a whole lot more about what's in the Bible than than they actually do. And mm-hmm. so um, I have been slow to simply invite people to sit down and read with me. But our, our pastor challenged us, I don't know, this has been a couple of years ago now, to actually just, if you know somebody who's a seeker, who's interested, um, but you can actually, you know, you can actually tell they're not familiar with the Bible. When we say, yeah. you know, hey, we're going to read from such and such, they don't know how to find it, right? Like, so that's a good indication of that's a great person to reach out to and say, hey, let's just meet and read the Bible together. I have been slow on the uptake to do that because, you know, that makes it sound like I don't think they know what's in there. But in fact, they don't know what's in there. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem that, that Martin Luther and the Reformers found 500 years ago. You have a culture that is supposedly based on, you know, on, on Christ on, and his word, but you've got a people who, who, who are perishing uh, for their lack of knowledge. You know, they're perishing because they don't know the word. Well, today, 500 years later, we've gone from a society kind of built on the Reformation where, where the Bible was just the, the common language of everyone. To, to a time that's very similar to 500 years ago, where we have a lot of people who, who just don't know what's in it, who don't know the word. And so I think what you said is brilliant. You, you sit down with someone and say, let's read the gospel of John together. Let's, let's read Romans, you know, find a, find a, you know, especially with a, a seeker, you know, something like uh, Eugene Peterson's The Message or, or something, you know, that, that isn't going to be, you know, filled with, with uh, maybe words that, that uh, confuse them. But then, that's a great point to sit down and, and read some of those, you know, hard to understand books, you know, with someone. But the, it's it's about unlocking the powerful word of God. That's what the Reformation was about. And I think that's the lesson we can take with us today from it. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, you, it's fun to talk with you. Uh, and so no, thank you thank so you. much. You got up really early to do this. And so um, <laughs> it's on say the West good morning. Coast <laughs> yeah, say good morning as the sun rises on the West Coast. Um, and thank Absolutely. you so much, Dan, for joining us. Let me send people to your website, 1517.org. We'll be right back.
All right. I don't know about you. I thought that was really fun. But I am not only a lover of the word of God uh, and a lover of God. I really want other people to be exposed to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is a message of grace. I really want to see the grace of God extended to more and more people. And so the folks who are out there on the front lines of helping people um, access the scriptures in ways that they can uh, both comprehend and then apprehend, apprehend to actually take into life and apply, um, that's, you know, those people get me jazzed. And so I'm really, really thankful for uh, the guys at the 1517 Project. 1517.org. Um, who excites you in terms of ministry and what they're up to today? Uh, I'm always looking for leads, new conversation partners, um, folks that you know are on the front lines of what God is doing in, in your community and in the culture writ large. So you can always tell me who those folks are and we can check it out. You can text me at 877-933-2484. You can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. All right. When we come back for the second hour, I'm going to be talking with Adam Holtz, There is a movie out today about Harriet Tubman you don't want to miss. And then in the bottom of the next hour, Mark Lagon, and he and I are going to talk about um, tuberculosis, still a major issue in the world today. Uh, And so today, uh, just remember to go be shiny. Maybe you are almost at work. Um, Go be a Reformation person today in that environment and walk your faith out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.